Hey, it's Kieran Lenahan here from Lenahan Coaching. I connected with Pablo at PodMax, and oh my gosh, you've got to connect with this dude. The best possible person you could be talking to. This guy has the most soothing voice, and his presence is just, man, it makes it so easy to be vulnerable, be yourself. And so you've got to connect with him. You've got to have a conversation with him. It will be one of the best decisions of your life. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, Every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector, and today we are back at PodMax. So, but it's not a random person I've never met before. It's actually typical to PodMax, somebody that is a super impressive dude that because he's been at another one, we've reconnected, and I cannot wait to introduce you to him. He is a dad, he's an entrepreneur, and he's a business coach for Christian entrepreneurs. He helps people grow their business while spending more time with their families. Also just a stand-up, good-looking fellow that I just can't get enough of. Welcome, Kieran <laughs> Lanahan. Say what's up, Kieran. Pablo, thanks so much for that incredible, incredible introduction. You're too kind. I do have to say, we're both looking very snazzy right now, so I appreciate the shout-out. You know, we make it look easy, but it ain't, you know what I mean? I know, I know. People, <laughs> people, think, people are thinking in their head, everybody else at PodMax is like, man, those guys, their game's on another level. They're going to have to step it up next time. I love it, dude. I love it. You know, Kieran, you know this, right? I start off the podcast. My thesis on human connection is the quickest way to bond, add value to someone's life, which we're going to do a ton of in this conversation, and share a vulnerability, right? Like I find that if our friend in their ears, if you are vulnerable and they have shared that vulnerability, they feel understood. They feel like you've walked them all in their shoes. So I'm going to ask you, to share a vulnerability. What have, what are you struggling with? What have you struggled with in the past? Let's let's get real. Yeah, man. So I'll, I'll go with something I'm struggling with right now that's been top of mind really for the last like week or two. So it's pretty fresh. Uh, so I'm a I'm a dad, like you said. Been married for four years, and we so we have two kids. We have a two month old baby girl, so very new, and we have a 14 month old foster son that we've had since he was about a month old. And so for me, one of the the biggest things that I I value is my relationship with my wife and my marriage. And since my daughter was born, 
obviously lots of time and attention is being poured into her and also into our son. And so something I've been struggling with is just really having the, like the energy and the, the time to put into continuing to nourish our relationship and our marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've seen happen with other people. I've seen, you know, the kids become the centerpiece of everything and it can become really easy to lose sight of, of the marriage, right? Which the marriage is going to be there ideally, right? The marriage will be there after the kids move out, after they move on to other things. And so for me, I've just been confronted with some of my, I'd say my own kind of like selfishness and desire to either go to sleep or just do like watch TV or just do something that is, that takes less mental and emotional energy than to really connect with my wife after the kids have gone to sleep and after we've cleaned up the house and everything. And so it's, yeah, man, this is, it's fresh on my mind and it's something I don't want to let this get too far. So it's, it's something that I'm, I'm actively working on, but it's, man, I, I didn't understand that struggle until now when I'm actually in it and man, it's real. Like, it's just, it is, it is real. Like you, you get tired, <laughs> you get tired at the end of the day. I mean, the kids are, they're a lot. I love them and it's incredible to be their dad, but I, I yeah, I'm just right now, I'm really working on an intentional effort to really pour into my relationship with my wife. So that's, yeah, man, that's something very top of mind for me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, man. Like, honestly, I went from like going like a hundred million miles an hour to boom, you grounded me and put me in place. Right. Cause I, I think that that is a very universal struggle. First of all, I would be remiss to say that as an entrepreneur, your business is also kind of your baby, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you are, you have two young you know, like kids and one business. While I haven't had kids, I understand that the Delta between kid one to kid two is just as big or bigger as the Delta. It's bigger. (laughs) I I didn't know how big it was going to be. It's bigger. It's bigger than the Delta from zero to one for sure. Yeah. At least it has been in my life. Yeah. And, 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 and my struggle comes in, man. Like I, my wife and I have we've struggled with this stuff in the past as well, right? Like the not being present when we're together because the business, because again, it's, it's very easy to, especially kids intimidated to help having a child intimidates the crap out of me. But, you know, I under, because I understand that it's this infinite time. I don't want to call it a time suck, but it's an, inf, it's, it's something that can take up infinite amount of your time. And even without kids, the idea of just my business being able to take up an infinite amount of my time presents like a major, major, like incentive, you know, some, a carrot that's always out there to, to want the time that I'm not spending in that time to just be for me. Right. And, and to, and to think, give myself the excuse of I'm doing this for us anyways. Why doesn't this count? Which, which translates to your kid, right? Like I'm being a great father. Why doesn't it count? Right. But you really need to, you really need to segment those buckets, and your wife does need to be a a major like strategic bucket of your time blocking yeah. and your mental space and whatnot. What are you kind of like? Are you just starting to tinker with it, man, or have you already started implementing solutions, or at least have you started finding data sources that maybe we can talk about? Yeah, so I'd say I'm I'm really in the midst of ideating and just coming up with. What, what would it look like for me to really be present? What would it look like for me to really be supportive, especially because our youngest, you know, she is with her all day and she's taking care of all day. And I know that's difficult. She's up with her in the middle of the night. And so, you know, like you said, you know, I've got the, the business during the day 
And then after that, it's time with the kids and family. And this is, I mean, this relates to the work that I do with my clients, right? It's helping people structure their, their time and structure their priorities to make sure that their, their business and whatever, you know, maybe secondary priorities to them are not filling in the gaps where their primary priorities should be or where they want them to be. And so in terms of like things I'm actually implementing right now, I'm talking about like little things. I'm talking about like doing the dishes, cleaning up the, like after we feed our kids dinner, cleaning up afterwards and allowing her that time to be able to play with the kids. And then by the time everybody's asleep, now it's just us, right? Now it's just us to have that time together. Right now it's boiling down to just doing these little things throughout, like once I'm done working, starting to do as much as I can around the house to really prepare for, all right, when that moment comes at eight, nine o'clock, when both kids are asleep, that we have that, that time. And then it's intentionally choosing, not turning on the TV and not going to my phone, not doing anything like that. And just like finding my wife, sitting down with her on the couch or at the dining room table and, and having conversations, taking interest in how her day was, how she's feeling and, and just checking in with her. Yeah, that's huge, man. I'm not like well-versed in the love languages, but like, is she, is she like an acts of service person? Are you versed in the, in, in the love languages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm a huge fan of that book. We've given away tons of copies of that because it's, it's just a very quick kind of like easy way to be helpful. So I'm, I'm quality time and touch. Like those are my two. And for her, it's acts of service and her secondary is quality time. So there's a little bit of overlap, but a lot of times the, you know, the frictions tend to be when I, all I want to do is just like spend time with her and she wants me to like do these things around the house, right. That are acts of service. And so, you know, communication is always key. And reading that book, understanding that about the way that we were brought up and the way that we like to give and receive love has been huge. But sometimes it's, it's easy to lose sight of that stuff and forget it when you've got other things going on. So it's always good to, to come back to those things. Yeah. Yeah. I've like, I've heard a lot of talk about that, but I need to, I need to get on that. Right. Like I just took a, I took like an assessment like a week ago and I'm an acts of service and words of affirmation person, which doesn't, you know, surprise me in the least. Right? I thought I would be mm-hmm. like super exaggerated words of affirmation because I, <laughs> but it turns out I'm an acts of service guy, which makes a lot of sense. But cool, man. I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my list. And I just want to compliment you on if I was to reverse engineer what you just told me, she's an acts of service and a quality time person. And that's exactly what you're, what you're implementing. Right. So like, it's clear that you're this like heady strategic dude. Which I think yeah, great. man. Always strategy. I use strategy when I'm putting away the dishes, man. I'm trying to figure out the most efficient way to do that. So me too, it's, all day, yeah, bro. it's built in, built into me, man. What is Least your number of touches and pickups? Yeah. yeah. What is, what is your dishes strategy? My, my move is, is I, I remove things. So there's two shelves and I remove yep. things based on where they go in the cabinet per shelf. Right. So like I'll go bottom shelf where they go in the cabinet top, then I'll take the top shelf where they go in the cabinet. Then I'll close it again and do that. What's, is there something better? I don't know. So I, I use, sounds like I use a pretty similar strategy. So I'll, same thing, two shelves. I'll go bottom shelf first. Typically I'll start with the utensils because those tend to be the things that my one-year-old will like get his hands into and I don't want him touching anything sharp. So always utensils first. And then from there, the bottom stuff, that's where we put our, our plates and our larger bowls and pots. So typically the plates, I can pick up multiple at a time to reduce the number of touches and reduce the number of you know move, movements and motions to get them into the cabinet. So I'll start with the bottom shelf, top shelf. I'll do the cabinets that are right above the dishwasher. I'll put the things that go directly in there. I'll start with those things. And then the last thing is for me, always the Tupperware, because usually that still has to like sit out and dry because they haven't 
at least to my knowledge, have not invented Tupperware that doesn't catch water and fully dry after they go through the dishwasher. So Yeah, man. When I, when I woke up today, I did not think I would be explaining my detailed strategy for putting away the dishes, but that's, I mean, that's PodMax. That's Pablo that I love it. I absolutely love it. Dude, me too. Like I have this like big grin on my face. Cause (laughs) I I, like, man, I don't know. I, number one, I think it's people underestimate sharing their thought processes, right? Like, I think that is what connects people to each other. Like everybody's addicted to sharing results, but people don't do business with people that they understand or, or they don't follow and connect with people that understand they do business and follow people that understand them. Mm-hmm. And if you can, and if you can explain your thought process and someone can connect to it, I think it helps. Yeah. And I'm very yeah. much looking forward to putting out a micro piece of content that says hard hitting <laughs> dishwashing strategy. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I will. I hope that goes viral, man. I, I will share that. I will share the crap out of that. No doubt. No doubt. All right, man. Tell me, tell me kind of your origin story and how you got, how you got to the point where you really want to be a coach to, to help entrepreneurs. Yeah, for sure. So grew up, grew up in New Jersey. My mom is Filipina, came to the U S when she was 14. My dad's American Irish. I've got this cool combination, but I grew up kind of thoroughly, I'd say middle-class, like we had enough. We didn't have much above that, but I was always taught kind of the the classic blueprint that I think most people grow up with in the U S which is work hard in school, get a good job, stay there and kind of work your way up the chain. So that's what I did. I worked hard in school, got into a great college, got great grades in college. I studied psychology and organizational leadership. From there, I landed a job in corporate where I was managing people from a really young age. I was managing people's performance, who they were twice my age, and learning how to have these difficult conversations with people and helping develop them. But that was maybe 20% of my job. The other 80% was managing projects and internal operations. So I was in both a warehouse distribution center, I was in sales and marketing operations, customer service operations. So lots of great experience. Real quick, Kieran, was this, yeah. was this one of these like manager and training programs for like a Fortune 500 company kind of thing that was structured or was it, tell me a little bit about the company. Yeah, so the the company, I, I'm familiar with those kinds of like programs. Yeah. They tech, they called it a program on the application form, but when you get there, it's just the way that they do things. Like they hire, they hire young people in the management, they train them how to lead, and then how to actually understand the business and, and the way that they work. So it was kind of a program, kind of not. It was just kind of their way of doing things. So, so yeah, so I got rotational experience in a bunch of different departments as I was kind of, it was kind of like a spiral. Like I'd rotate, rotate, work my way up, work my way up. And so I was quote unquote successful in their structure. I was able to kind of learn the system and learn what got people promoted, what, what got praise and what didn't. And from... I guess the most impactful thing that ultimately I ended up learning, this is how I got into coaching was that the way to work your way up in this organization, I think it's similar in other corporate structures is a lot to do with people pleasing. It's a lot to do with getting people to like you and building relationships. And it's a lot to, a lot to do with looking the part, right. And looking good when you have certain opportunities. So there's a heavy focus on if you did really good project work, you would find yourself getting promoted. Whereas the people management, the operations management, that stuff, they just kind of had a baseline. Like you just have to be above this bar and you're good, but you don't really have to excel in it. And so that kind of worked against my, the way that I wanted to work. Like I'm all, I had been a people pleaser my whole life. 
So that came very naturally to me and, you know, it was great, right? I was continuing to be rewarded for that. It wasn't until I started training as a coach that I started to untangle that stuff and realize just how deeply rooted it was. And we can get into that because that's, that's a really important part of my story and the work that I do with clients. But yeah, so I was, you know, in the structure, I was kind of playing the game the way it was supposed to be played. And the people development stuff, that's where my passion was. I loved building relationships. I loved helping people achieve new levels of performance in whatever it is that they wanted to do. And so, you know, three to four years in, I was trying to figure out what am I like, what do I want to do with my life? I don't think I want to stay in this corporate structure. You know, I had an idea of being an entrepreneur. I always wanted to run my own business. And so I started to actually, I had considered doing that years out, not right away. So I started to explore new options. I looked into the startup world. What jobs can I get there? I looked into other larger companies, what types of jobs are available and ultimately didn't find anything I liked. And so I actually worked with a coach myself to really piece together what parts of me do I really have to offer the world and what ways can I bring that to life and really serve people, but also do work that I loved. And that's what brought me to coaching. And so once I discovered it, fell in love with the, fell in love with the concept of, again, really just helping people bridge the gap from where they are to where they want to be and realize a lot of it has to do with themselves and the way that they think about themselves and the way that they approach the world at, at large. So that's what got me into the coaching space. I trained while I was still working full-time and that's when all the people pleasing, all of the, I was living by these rules I had set in my life that I didn't realize, like, don't rock the boat. Don't look stupid. Don't put yourself out there. Don't take risks and realized how antithetical that was to entrepreneurship. And that's when I really had to, to do some, some self-examination and some self-work as well as working with a coach myself. Interesting, man. I fully want to dive into what you said we're going to go back to, right? Like, cause I, I very much echo with that sentiment. I, the reason why I ask is I, I recognize the pattern, right? Like I, I was hired into like a manager and training fortune 500 kind of like program mm -hmm. excelled really quickly. I, I do believe that in corporations, in bigger companies and in companies in general, we over reward the results of the salespeople or the project guy that delivers a project. They, they reward a task much more than they reward the operator that is able to get the best out of their people consistently. And I think that that person to me has the most value, right? Like the, the Bill Belichick of, of the company, you know, minus the being a jerk, but you know, like, <laughs> the one that puts everybody in their place, man. And you know, it, I never, I had never verbalized it the way that you just verbalized it, but tell me, tell me kind of like, tell me more about that. T tell me how you were seeing that, that taking place and how it hurts a company when it is run and yeah. You know, it, it's really interesting because this is very common, right? And uh, now I can look back and I see how much it's related to the way that we grew up and the way our society is structured right now with our education system. Like, right, we take multiple choice tests. There are right answers and there are wrong answers. There's no, there's typically no in between. There's typically no emphasis on the thought process and developing the skills like problem solving, critical thinking. And that follows through into the corporate world, right? They're not they're not really looking at the way that people are approaching things. Like you said, they're looking at the result, the answer, right? So if you can get the right answer, you're going to get rewarded. And so it's, it's just, it became disheartening because I would see people get rewarded who were not good leaders, 
at least in my opinion, again, this is all tech, this is all my perspective and my opinion, but who are not as effective leaders, who are not as good at drawing the best out of people, they would get rewarded and promoted. And then the people who really focused on developing people, cultivating like a culture that was healthy, those people were not getting rewarded. And it was almost this like, I was like, wait a minute, something's not adding up here. Something is off. And that's that was one of the things that led to me saying like, all right, I know I don't want to be here long-term. Culture was something I was very big on. I studied it in college. I always told myself I'd never stay in a job just because of the pay and the benefits if the culture was not the right fit. And I kind of found myself pretty early on in that position where I'm like, all right, yeah, this this isn't lining up. I don't necessarily agree with or, or enjoy being a part of this culture. But yeah, so that kind of led to some some dissonance between like, man, I promised myself I wouldn't stay, but at the same time, paying off student loans, you know, it's kind of, I keep getting rewarded here. So I had this tension of, they're telling me I'm doing a great job, but I don't necessarily agree with the, even the things that I I have to do to be able to get rewarded. I like it, man. I, you know, you bring up another thing there that is the, the comfort versus integrity thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I, that is something that I've, that I've been charging headfirst at for, I would say, consistently nonstop for the last three years, right? Like I, I kept falling up in corporate America, you know, as well. And from the outside looking in, people thought I was successful, right? Like I made a, like a top 20 under 40 magazine. I was offered, you know, before I decided to really just go like all in on this, my choice was, go take over as head of business development for another construction company that had just come to town that fit the same exact profile of my old construction, like, you know, like the perfect corporate America next step or right. move to a completely different city, join this kind of like, you know, guy that everybody didn't understand why I was partnering with him and like be VP of business development for a startup software, totally, totally risky. And I, and I, and I chose the path less traveled. And as I had this conversation with my old man where it was the first time that I ever went against this best advice in something that really, really mattered, right? Like I had fence tested a lot, but I had never really just like, be like, nah, I'm not go this way, bro. You know, even, you know, like w- with all due respect, right? Right. And I had to tell him, like, I was like, dad, you are bringing up really great points, but this isn't to me about my career, right? Like this is, this is about me finding out about whether I'm right or wrong about myself, Right. And I wonder, as you were making your decision to leave this environment where you're clearly excelling, I assume that you have people in your life that were cheering oh. for your comfort over your growth. Yeah. How did that People that I that? love. Yeah. yeah. People how- that I love, people that were close to me. Yeah. I mean, people who grew up with, it's a different mindset, a different way of thinking about what, what life should look like, what career should look like. Again, like I have like nothing against these people, but even people who are very close to my journey understood the the hardship and the heartache I went through staying in, in my corporate job would say things like, I can't, I don't know how, I can't believe you're going to do this. Right. And I'm, and I'm just like, I, I had to laugh at that point. I wasn't even offended. I was just like, man, it's just such a different way of thinking about things. I still f- I feel really confident in this decision. I'm, I want to bet on myself. I want to see what I'm made of. I, I want to, you know, kind of chart my own path. And so again, like related to, coaching and just understanding the value of it and going through that training program really exposed how much I was people pleasing and just doing things because it was comfortable and risk-free. Right. And so 
I had to really understand, wow, even in my corporate job, these were all the things I was doing just because I didn't want to look stupid. And so if I continue operating with that mindset as I'm running a business, I'm going to get eaten alive. Like I'm not going to be out. I'm not going to be running a business very long and I'm not going to be serving people. And so that was, you know, I'd say the first year of me being in business was wrestling with these thoughts about myself and wrestling with the the parts of me that wanted to play it safe and that wanted to to hide certain parts of myself, right? That's why now I, I work with Christian entrepreneurs. When I first started, that's not who I was working with because I was I was afraid I had all these reasons and doubts as to why that wasn't going to work or that's why I shouldn't be doing that. But as I continued to lean into the things that made me unique and the things that I felt most passionate and, and I had the most conviction about, when I actually leaned into that and stepped into the things that kind of scared me, that's when I actually started to have an impact. I started to really see my clients excel. I started to really start to build the business and, and see clients come in. And it wasn't until I made that switch. And so, yeah, that was, I mean, I had to see it operate in the nine to five and then understand well, how does that translate into running a business and how do I make sure I don't filter all my decisions through what's going to be the safest, what's going to be the most comfortable. Cause that's a, that's a recipe for disaster in my opinion. Can you describe to me the feeling of that you were lacking before feeling the success hmm. to the feeling that you're feeling now that, right? Like you just delineated a transitional point. You committed, right. you didn't feel success. Now you feel success. Can you tell me the difference between those two? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I love that question. The, like you said, I was committed, right? I, I left the safety of the job and I left the golden handcuffs. I'm operating my business. But the biggest difference was in my head, there was still a voice that was questioning. Did you make the right decision? Like, should you go back? Is this really going to work out for you? Right. And that voice I'd say was, was pretty loud. It wasn't until I turned the volume on that voice down and started turning the volume up on the voice that was saying like, here, here are all the reasons why you have all of the things that it takes to be successful and grow this business. Here are all the reasons why you bring all this value to the table that people out there need. Like there are people that need what you can offer. So when I flipped that switch and I started to feel compelled from a place of love, as opposed to, I need to market myself so that I can earn a living and shut this voice up in my head. That's saying I'm not good enough. When I went from that to no, there are things that I uniquely can bring to the table that I know for a fact people need to hold that back from the world would be a disservice to them and a disservice to me. And, and from my perspective, a disservice to God with the talents and experiences that he's given me. And so now like, what, why I feel successful now is because I'm motivated from a place of comp- compulsion to, to love others and to serve others, as opposed to coming from a place of scarcity of not, eno- not enoughness. And I need this external thing to validate that I am enough, right? So it's, it's that, that switch. That was the transition point. And not only was it when I started to successful, lo and behold, that's actually when things started to happen in the business because I was people can sense that energy shift. They can sense that change, right? Communications, nonverbal for the, for the most part. And so when people can see that change and that shift in you, that becomes a lot more attractive and magnetic. And that's, that's when people were like, yeah, there's something about that guy. I want to work with him because I'm confident that he can help me reach this goal in my business. Of course, man. That's awesome, dude. All right. I need help figuring out how to spend more time with my family. (laughs) 
can you work me through some stuff, man? How do I get my time back to <laughs> you know? yeah, like, I'm, man. I'm, I'm working nonstop, right? Like I'm like right now, my, my word of the year is discipline. I'm working on becoming more disciplined. I'm waking up. I'm trying to, my, my morning routine right now is at least five days a week. I need to, and it doesn't have to be the same five for the same habits, but five times a week, I want to meditate 10 minutes, journal 10 minutes, do exercise, learn something. Let's go with that, right? So I'm establishing a morning routine. I'm mm-hmm. eating cleaner. I'm trying to implement time blocking in my life, but it's it's hard, man. Like I'm like I'm I'm having a hard time with that. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's I'm get Christian. into it, man. <laughs> let's let's get into it, man. There's so I will say, let me provide this context for the conversation because time management, right? I, it's a huge industry, million books written about it, strategies, tips, tactics. At the end of the day, it's never or it's rarely about. I just don't have enough time. It's always the way that we're thinking about our priorities and the way that we're thinking about our time. What you just shared about your morning routine, and, and this is related to any habit, any routine that you want to form, any behavior change you want to make. The number one mistake people make is they stay in the, what I would call, if you think about behavior change in three different levels, you have the outermost layer, which is setting a goal, right? This is an outcome that you want. The middle layer is this is my process. These are the habits. This is the routine that I'm going to use to achieve that goal. And then underneath that is what I would call identity, or you can think about it as, as mindset. And this is the difference. So just a, a really simple example, just to help this kind of this framework connect for people, right? If I want to set a New Year's resolution, if I want to set a goal, I want to quit smoking. Boom. That's the goal. That's the outermost layer. I'm going to use nicotine patches to do that, right? That's my process or my habit. That's that middle layer, the core, the innermost layer. If you want to get as deep as possible and give yourself the best chance at smoking, you need to start seeing yourself and thinking about yourself as not a smoker, right? In your head, when you think about yourself, you want to say, I'm not a smoker, right? Because a lot of times when we do something for a long time, smoking, overeating, whatever it is, we glue that, like we connect that to our sense of self. It becomes a part of who we are. And so if you define yourself as a smoker, and you still think about yourself like that, you can try all the goal setting, you can try all the habit formation that you want, but it's never going to stick long-term because it's not your identity. No amount of willpower, no amount of willpower or motivation will ever overcome your identity and your sense of self. And that's because the way our brains are wired are to act in alignment with how we see ourselves. That's why those two things, if those two things don't mix, I see myself as a smoker, I want to quit smoking. Those two things don't line up, right? Those are contradictory to each other. What you want to do when trying to form a new routine, so say this morning routine, for instance, you want to see how does that connect to how you actually see yourself? When you envision future Pablo uh, at the end of 2021, you're looking back on this year, right? That future, future Pablo, who's he's, in this routine, it's not even something he has to think about. It's not even a question. It's not even something he's like using willpower to try to do. How is he thinking about himself? How is he thinking about this routine and his time? You really want to get into the shoes of that future you and really understand how, who is that person? Who is that Pablo? How can I be him, start being him now and live into that? Again, it's, it's coming, bringing, who you see yourself as in alignment with the things that you actually want to do. So to summarize, I'm kind of getting on my soapbox here. This is stuff I get fired up about. 
the goal-oriented, task-oriented, I want to do this thing, like it's got to be built on the foundation of I am becoming this kind of person. Yeah. Right. So you want to, you don't want to be, you don't want to have a morning routine. You want to be the kind of person who sticks to a morning routine because that's the kind of guy Pablo is, right? That's who you are. And so that's, I would say that would be the the context I would wrap this conversation in. Mm -hmm. And we can get into like specific ways to kind of hack your routine and, and really set things up as easy as possible for yourself. But yeah, I'll, I'll pause there. And if you, if you want to ask questions or dig in, we can, yeah, keep that's, that's helpful, man. You know, it's funny. I purposely said I'm working on my discipline instead of saying I lack discipline, right. Because, because of what you said. And I made that mistake in the previous interview with Rhino Julie, right? Like I was like, yeah, I'm not a disciplined guy. So I'm working on discipline. It's funny, man. I, up until it wasn't up until like, kind of like as this, as last year was wrapping up, I've, I've always, had everybody around me has always seen and expected this idea of me being this like profoundly successful person. And I've always been groomed to be an executive and, and whatnot. It really wasn't until kind of like the end of this last year that I started really seeing myself in this like cool semi-urban office space, giving a rah-rah speech in front of 40 people about like core values and affirming core values and this and that in our company that I found it possible to stick to this type of stuff, right? Like, like everything you're saying makes a ton of sense to me because up until then I was like, well, I'm just kind of building it. Like I'm smart. Like I, yeah, I know how to, I know how to get it. Right. Like I know how to get it. I know how to help people get it, but I never saw myself as a company builder. And I'm now very much, I'm very much seeing myself as somebody that's going to build an enduring company. That's going to change the world and change the way that business is done. And based on what you just said, it makes sense that now I'm really not having a problem. By the way, the fifth thing was stretching was, was waking up was, is waking up five, five 30 AM and doing these things before checking stupid Facebook and whatever, right? Right, right. And letting, yeah, what I love about the routine and routine is so important. And what you just talked about, not checking Facebook first thing, because the most thing, the most common thing people do when they wake up, check their phone, they either get check social media, check the news. And it's like, you're letting, you're letting that set your emotional equilibrium for the day. And you're like, when it comes to time management, if you want to kickstart your brain and get it thinking of about, about a million different things, check your email, check social media, check the news, right? That's a surefire way to just get, get your head spinning like crazy. But if you start your routine with like, like you said, the things that you're doing, stretching, meditation, journaling, man, that stuff will make such a big difference in honing in your focus on the most important things that you want to do for the day. So I know we're, we're coming up somewhat towards the end of the, the time that we have, but I'd love to have more conversation about like this routine helping you think about your time, right? How do you spend more time with family, right? That's something that's important to you. But yeah, what, I mean, what you're talking about in in terms of the routine and aligning that with your identity and who you see yourself as, that's the biggest missing piece. That's why the stat is something ridiculous. It's like 80% of new year's resolutions fail before February hits, which is so sad, right? Think about all these well-intentioned people, business owners who have these goals and it doesn't even survive till February. And it's because they've stayed in kind of these outer two layers of this is my goal or this is my process. You got to get into who's that person that you're becoming and how do you build from there? 
Awesome, dude. Powerful, man. I appreciate it. That's really good yeah. advice. And and very, you know, man, the universe conspires in favor of those following their dreams, right? Like, I feel like I am in the right headspace to have this conversation with you right now. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it, it feels it feels like we're exactly where we need to be, dude. And I love it. You ready for the lightning round? Bam, 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 bam. Let's do it, man. Let's do Let's it. Go. I was waiting. I was waiting. I couldn't wait for the sound effects. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because I do it every time. What is your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what is your order? Favorite restaurant, man. So there's a there's a place. I honestly, I couldn't even tell you the name. It's a place in Peru in the city of Arequipa where I spent a semester studying abroad. Oof. And it, it is this little, like, it's a juice bar but they make sandwiches and they make these sandwiches. This meal called Lomo Saltado is, a, is a, an insanely good Peruvian meal. They took that and put it into a sandwich. And so I would have a Lomo Saltado sandwich with a strawberry, like a, a strawberry smoothie made with like fresh strawberries, like every day. And it was the most incredible thing ever. And there's no, I have not found a place in the U S that does it. So I'm longing to go back there, but that's, I mean, that's my favorite spot. It's near the, the Plaza de Armas. I could, I can mentally walk, like direct people there. I don't know what it's called. Where, what, what part of, what part of Peru is Arequipa in? Arequipa. Southern, Southern Peru. So it's, Arequipa is the second largest city after Lima. Beautiful. It's like surrounded by, there's a couple of volcanoes, mountains, pretty is, high elevation. Yeah. Is that closer or further from Cusco? Like if I'm going to go to like Lake Titicaca or mm. if I'm going to do Machu Picchu, am I going to Arequipa or is it totally not a tourist destination stop on the way to something else? It's it's a less common tourist destination. Man, let me I'm no, pull up a map right now. Don't spend time. Check out Arequipa. Cusco. Yeah, check yeah. out Arequipa. Cusco, highly recommends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Peru, of all the South American countries, I would highly recommend going there. I've made multiple Peru trip itineraries that I have not lived up to because there's always some wedding or some pandemic that gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. You literally just took me back to studying abroad in Sevilla. And there was uh, mm. there was like another, again, a restaurant that's like a little bar that has this one sandwich called El Serranito that I love that I can't mm. na- name or, but yeah, yeah. man, I, I love me some. And plus a Lomo Saltado sandwich sounds like a, Sounds like a panko miste. Like sounds like the Peruvian equivalent to a panko miste, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool, man. All right. What content are you most into right now? Like this can be the podcast that you like, the influencer that you're following, the book that you just read, the the Netflix and chill series du jour. What content are you most into right now? Ooh, can I give two answers? I'll, I'll be quick. So yeah. the the first one is a book. This has been one of the most influential books in my life so far, especially as an entrepreneur. Not even an entrepreneurial book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's a lot about how in our society today, we get so wrapped up in kind of like skimming across life and just doing things constantly, constantly, constantly. And it talks a lot about how do you find rest? How do you build rest into your daily and weekly rhythms? And that's what helps me operate my business and my life from a place of my tank is full as opposed to I'm running on empty. The other thing I'll say is in terms of podcasts, the coach that I work with, so I'm a, I'm a coach who has a coach. I, that's how much I believe in the power of it. She has a podcast it's called Think Like an Entrepreneur, and it's a lot about mon- mindset, entrepreneurial mindset. And so that is a resource that I, every week she comes out with a new episode Jimmy. and Catherine Morrison. And so that is a, that's a great resource for me and, and just continuing to develop and cultivate my mindset and find ways to continue to level up. Sweet. Awesome, man. I'm going to check that out. What is something you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? Something I was sure about in my 20s, man, that's a tough question. I used to believe that 
in order to do something like to do something that you're afraid of, you had to first gain the confidence to do it. What I've found to be the case is the confidence comes after you do it as opposed to before. If you're always waiting for confidence, you're going to be waiting a long time. But the more you do the things that scare you, the more you do the things that are uncomfortable, the faster and the larger your confidence will grow. The confidence comes in the doing. All right. What is your favorite piece of advice that you've ever gotten or your go-to advice that you like to give people? Yeah. Go-to advice that I, I like to give people is to take the time to ask the big questions like about, about your life, right? If you're a business owner, if whatever it is that you do, take the time to really sit with yourself and ask the questions like, why are you doing what you're doing? Is what you're doing right now actually the way that you want to be doing things? Is the life that you're living right now and the way that you're living, do you want something different? If so, you've got to make a decision. We don't have that much time here. So use it to the best of your ability. But yeah, man, asking the big questions, not being afraid to to wrestle with them. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? That's the biggest piece of advice I can give people is to do yourself the favor. Like, you, you're worth it. You're, you deserve to to have answers to those questions. So seek those out. Yeah, that's huge, man. Like you got to start with the why, right? Like it's it's way easier to hit a target if you know where you're going. <laughs> right. right. So, all right, man. This is the part of the interview where uh, you get to promote whatever you want. How do people connect with you? Where do you want to send them? What do you want to call attention to you? This is, this is all you, buddy. The stage is yours. Be the star. Yeah, for sure. So best way to connect with me, two ways. One, follow me on Instagram. Shoot me a message. Say hi. I'd love to engage and, and just get into conversations with people about business, faith, life, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. My Instagram handle is at uh, Kieran Lenahan coaching. So we can link to that. That's where I'm most active on social media. I've got some fun things in store to, to make, make my profile even and make my account even more fun to follow. I'm going to get into just some like quirky dad things, like talking about dishwasher, putting away strategy and that's like a great the, piece of content to make. And the, and the, I know, and the random things that I Google now that I'm a dad, like the other day I Googled, what are boogers? It's like, what, it, what are they even made of? I don't even know. Anyways, other way to connect with me, head over to my website, lenahancoaching.com. You'll see either links, blue buttons, if you want to schedule time to talk with me specifically about, about your life or your business. And there's also on my homepage, I created an awesome resource. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about it. So I want to kind of share that with as many people as possible. I created a free resource to help you set your goals for 2021 in your business, but not only set your goals because there's a million things that, out there that can help you do that, but to understand the very specific mindset shifts that you need to make to achieve it. So it'll tap into some of what we talked about today with understanding who you are and understanding how the way that you think influences the results that you get. So that's a free resource to help you uh, achieve your goals in 2021. And with that, I actually have an additional free thing that I'll share with you, which is a workshop of me actually walking through the process and walking through that worksheet. So all that available on my website, totally free. Would love to, to share that with folks. But again, I'd love to hear from you, talk to you and connect with you. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message or an email. Yeah. Don't be surprised to see my email address showing up as somebody that's just signed up for that workshop. <laughs> love it, man. Love uh, it. Last question. Where do you find community? Yeah, man. I find community in a couple of places, uh, especially now with, with young kids, just my immediate family, especially with COVID and spending just dramatic, dramatically more time with family. And then also our church community. So we're, big part of our church community here. And that's, 
you know, when we had our kids and we didn't want it, didn't have the time or the energy to make meals, like people were dropping things off. And so our church community has just been a home for us, a home outside of our home. So yeah, man. Yeah, man. Churches, churches, you know, I'm not like, I'm not very active in my organized religion piece of my faith, but that was what taught me the value of community for sure. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense to me, man. Kieran, yeah. awesome conversation again, bro. Like I want to, I, I want to thank you, man. Like you, I just enjoy being around you, man. I enjoy seeing your face in pod max. Like when I talk to you, I feel that it is intelligent. It's present. It's well thought out. You're clearly somebody that shows up to, to serve, which I think is exactly the type of person I want to be around, man. So thanks for coming on the show, man. And and uh, thanks for being you. And I look forward to continuing our friendship, man. Likewise, man. I appreciate you just giving me the chance to come on and, and riff with you and, and just talk life and, and business. You are, I know you're on the cusp of some super exciting things. So I'm pumped to see that stuff come to life. And uh, yeah, man, just excited that we've connected, that we've become friends and looking forward to staying connected. Right on. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.